All right, brothers and sisters in the faith, uh, welcome again to another episode of the Laga. So today we're going to be doing part two of who will be saved according to the Yahusha. We're spending some time about the, the uh, subject of salvation because, as you may know, it is of great importance because if we study the Holy Bible, learn the teachings of Yahuwah and Yahusha, and we don't end up receiving salvation, that would be a great tragedy indeed. So we need to know, we need to be certain well, who are those who are going to be saved according to our King Yahushua? This is part two. In part one, we talked about what one needs to receive salvation. We know when it comes to the topic of salvation and everlasting life, this is what Yahushua says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so one thing for sure, Yahuwah wants people to be saved. Yahushua wants people to be saved. This is why Yahuwah gave up his son. Yahushua gave up his life. And so the question now is, do we want to be saved? Because if we want to be saved, we have to fulfill what is required of us. And that is to believe in Yahushua. However, this word belief we know is not simply an intellectual belief in Yahushua being the Son of God. It is actually a commitment. And so based on our studies last week, we know that those who truly believe Yahushua are committed to a covenant relationship with Him. You see, salvation is not based on church or group membership, but on a covenant relationship with our King Yahushua. This is why we're going to dedicate uh, this Bible study program, the Logos, to help us nurture and maintain and grow our relationship with our King. Now, throughout the Holy Scriptures, there are a number of analogies or metaphors that depict the relationship we have with our King Yahushua. There's the Good Shepherd Sheep relationship, the Vine Branches relationship, the Husband Wife relationship, and the Master Disciple relationship. All of these metaphors concerning a covenant relationship with our King Yahushua has something to teach us. It has something that we need to learn because it covers certain aspects of our relationship with our King that would be helpful indeed in preserving that covenant relationship. But today, we're going to talk about the good shepherd and sheep relationship. Now, why do we need to go into this? Because when it comes to salvation, there are unfortunately two very extreme views of salvation, which is not biblically sound. And one is easy believism, which we discussed last week. We know when it comes to salvation, it's not simply professing belief in Yahushua. It's not simply reading your Bible and offering up prayers, because Yahushua did give us a warning. If you so remember Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who calls upon me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who prophesies and do many miracles and wonders in my name will enter the kingdom of heaven. Yahushua says, I don't know you. And so it's not simply professing faith and belief. It's about establishing, maintaining, and nurturing a relationship with our King Yahushua. So we know easy believism. Now, I know many people wish that was true, but it's not biblically sound. And we saw in our last week's program that this is, in fact, not what Yahushua is teaching at all. At the other end of the spectrum, we have membership 
any specific religious group. There are those institutions today who maintain that for a person to be saved, they have to be members of their specific group because they claim not only that they are representative of those who are going to be saved, but also claim exclusivity. In other words, if you're not members of their specific church institution, you're not going to be saved. So today we're going to briefly cover and touch upon this part of the extreme view of salvation. One religious institution that, that believes this is the Iglesia Ni Cristo, Church of Christ in English. They have different congregations outside the Philippines, but it's a religious group that came from the Philippines. And according to incmedia.org, the Iglesia Ni Cristo believes that membership in the Church of Christ, their church, is the only means to man's salvation in the Christian era. Now, if you are studying all about the Iglesia Ni Cristo, you will learn that they teach that they are the only true church that will be saved. And so if you don't belong or you're not a member of their church, well, you're not going to receive salvation. And so when you go to their evangelical missions, when you listen to their teachings online, that's the messaging you're going to receive. Now, what biblical passages do they use in making that conclusion? Usually, in their Bible study programs or evangelical missions, they, were, they will go through a three sequence, uh, a sequence of three verses that they like to use in tandem. And what are these verses they like to use in tandem? In the book of John 10, verse 9, they will say, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And then they go on to say, the one speaking here is Yahushua. Yahushua commands people to do something to be saved. What is that? To enter by him. Yahushua says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So that's the first passage or biblical verse that they're going to use. They follow up by asking the question, well, where can we find those who have entered Christ who is the door? And then they will jump to John 10 verse 16 and say, and other sheep I have, which are not of this folk, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And so those who follow the command of our King Yahushua to enter through him as the door to be saved, they are now members of the flock. And then lastly, they're going to jump to Acts 20 verse 28, Lamza, to identify what flock is. Acts 20, 28, take heed therefore to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you overseers to feed the church of Christ, which he has purchased with his blood. And so after going to Acts 20, 28, Lamza, they will conclude the flock is the church. Which church? The one that has the official name Church of Christ. That's the one purchased with his blood. Therefore, for you to be saved, you need to be inside that Church of Christ, Iglesia de Cristo, which emerged in 1914 in the Philippines. If you're not in that institution or that church, you're not going to receive salvation. So that's the string of verses that they put together to conclude that for a person to be saved, they need to enter first their religious organization, the Iglesia Ni Cristo. However, we need to test John chapter 10, verse 9. 
is this what our king is actually talking about? Because if it is, by all means, we all need to run into and become members of Iglesia Ni Cristo. So let's go ahead and find out is that what it actually means? Is Yahushua teaching people to enter a specific church group in order to be saved in John chapter 10, the verses 9? Because after all, that's the text, the textual evidence that they are offering. So let's go ahead and reread John chapter 10, verse 9. This is what it says. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And so this is what the Iglesia Cristo presents. However, when they present John chapter 10, verse 9, they don't read the whole verse because they leave out what is what comes after save, comma. And so what we're going to do is read John 10, 9 in its entirety. And so Yahushua says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And so our thing Yahushua says, I am the door. If you enter by me, you will be saved and you will go in and out and find pasture. And so uh, a mind who is curious, a mind who is thinking critically, he's going to ask the question, if by entering the door, Yahusha means entering a specific church group, then Yahusha is also saying that they ought to be going in and then out. In other words, if entering by Christ, means entering a specific religious organization, is Christ also teaching that we go in and out of that organization? Of course, that would be absurd. And that's what eventually you will conclude when you really think critically about what the Iglesia de Cristo is teaching. This is why we need to really know, well, what does it mean to enter Christ as the door? Because we know it does not mean entering their religious organization. And so what does that mean to enter through Christ as the door? The book of John, chapter 10, 7 to 9 and 16, then Yahushua said to them again, most surely I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, and also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. And so what is John chapter 10, verse 9 all about? What does it mean to enter into Yahushua, who is the door? We have to read the context. This is why we read 7 to 9, 16, so we can get the context. And later on, we're going to expand that context so that we can really understand what Yahushua meant when he said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And so according to context, what does it mean to enter through Christ as the door? Well, if you will notice in this passage, Yahushua says, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door and other sheep I have. And so when a person enters through Christ, he's telling us we need to become his 
he, because he's the door to the sheep. Now, when we enter through Christ and become his sheep, what then happens? He becomes our shepherd. And so what our King Yahushua is telling us in this instruction to enter the door so that we will be saved is for us to enter into a relationship with him, with him being the shepherd and we being the sheep. It is the good shepherd and sheep relationship. He wants us to trust him as our good shepherd. And when we trust him as our good shepherd, Yahushua says he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And so when our King Yahushua says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He's not speaking about entering a religious organization. It simply means to trust him as the good shepherd who will provide provision and protection, which is what it means when he says we'll go in and out and find pasture. You see, during the days of the apostles and when Yahushua was here on earth in Jerusalem, in Israel, you will find flocks of sheep. And so they would graze the pasture lands. And so these sheep, for example, belong to a shepherd. But of course, after they pasture, they become restless. Sometimes they become afraid. Sometimes they become tired. And so they go to what is called a sheep pen or a fold to find safety. And so Yahushua says, I am the door to the sheep. In other words, he is the one who takes care of the sheep that belong to him. And so if we make Yahushua our shepherd, which is what it means to make him, to, to enter him as the door, when we make Yahushua our good shepherd, we will find provision and we will find protection. And so in John chapter 10, verse 9, Yahushua is not teaching about entering a specific church group now. He is teaching people to trust him as a good shepherd to give them protection, provision, and salvation. So John chapter 10, verse 9 is all about emphasizing the good shepherd sheep relationship. And so salvation is not about entering or becoming a member of some church group or institution. It's about becoming sheep of Christ. Next question is, well, how does one become a sheep of Yahushua? So they, they can enter that good shepherd sheep relationship. Remember, uh, salvation is about a covenant relationship. And one of the ways the Bible pictures this covenant relationship is between the good shepherd and the sheep. If it's a covenant relationship, it means, of course, the good shepherd has responsibilities. And the sheep also has responsibilities. Now, before one can enter this relationship between good shepherd and sheep, well, how does one first become sheep of our King Yahushua? Well, he answers the question in John chapter 10, 27 to 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So according to our King Yahushua, how does one become his sheep? Number one, they need to hear his voice, right? 
That's important. They need to heed the voice of who? Yahushua. And then follow him. And so when a person hears the voice of Yahushua and follows Yahushua, then he, he, they become the sheep of our king, Yahushua. The only problem is many people today, they follow the wrong voice. <laughs> Why? Because they don't know how to heed. They don't know how to discern the voice of Yahushua. So they end up following different shepherds. And so they believe in a different shepherd. They have a relationship with a different shepherd. Instead of the shepherd who is our king, Yahushua. This is why for a person to truly become sheep of Yahushua, they need to keep the voice of Yahushua, not the voice of some religious authority, but the voice of Yahushua. And when you heed the voice of Yahushua and choose to follow him, you enter into a relationship with him. This is why Yahushua says, I know them. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So there's mutual acknowledgement. What do we call that? A relationship. And so for a person to enter into this covenant relationship, being sheep and Yahushua being the great shepherd, well, they have to heed and follow the voice of our king. Yahusha. So once they enter this relationship, right, they have accepted that they are sheep and they're relying on their good shepherd who is Yahusha. What is the responsibility of the sheep in the good sheep, in the good shepherd sheep relationship? What's our responsibility? Because all of us, we believe we are sheep of Yahusha, right? Because we place our trust in him and commit to him. And so what is our responsibility? Because when you think of a covenant, it's a it's a binding contract between two parties. One party in this case is likened to a good, the good shepherd. And the other one is us who are likened to sheep. So what is our responsibility? In the book of John, chapter 10, uh, three down to five. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep Follow him, for they know his voice. Yet, uh, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of stranger. So what is our responsibility? Because we belong to Yahushua in his flock, because we are sheep and he is a good shepherd. You notice in the passage, it says the sheep, they hear his voice. They know his voice. In fact, they know his voice so well, they can discern his voice from the voice of strangers. And so what is the duty and responsibility of those who belong to Yahushua? They flee from the stranger. They do not heed the voice of the strangers, right? Instead, they cling to the voice of their one and true good shepherd. Now, who are these strangers our King Yahushua is speaking about? In John 10, 7 to 9, and Yahushua said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out by pasture. Another sheep I have, which are not of this fold, and also I must bring. And they will hear my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. So who are these strangers that 
our King Yahushua was warning us about, saying we should not heed their voice, we should not follow them, and said, heed my voice and follow me. He's speaking about the thieves and the robbers. Yahushua says, the sheep do not hear them. And so our King Yahushua is speaking about thieves, strangers, and robbers in this example of our King Yahushua. I wonder who they represent. Any guesses? Right? Because who did Yahushua liken to strangers, to thieves, and robbers? Remember, he likens himself to a good shepherd. A good shepherd takes care of the sheep. He loves the sheep and feeds the sheep and takes good care of them. However, to kind of give a contrast to that, he says there are those who are not good shepherds, but are strangers, thieves, and robbers. They also have a religious voice, but Yahushua says, do not listen to them, do not follow them. And so who are they? according to Yahushua, who were likened to strangers, thieves, and robbers. Well, for, to answer that question, we have to read the context. You see, when you read John chapter 10, at the beginning, John chapter 10, verse 1, it's actually a continuation of the end of chapter 9. This is why there's a continuity of John 9 and John 10. For us to understand the full context of John 10, 9, and why he said, I am the good shepherd, we need to understand the situation that happened, the incident that happened in John chapter 10, verse 9. Do you know what happened in John chapter 9? Which is which sets up this example Yahushua gave about the good shepherd and those who are not good shepherds or thieves and robbers and strangers. Well, let's read John chapter 9, 1 down to 3. As Yahushua was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Yerusha answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And so John chapter 9 begins with a man who was born blind. Question was asked by one of his disciples, why is he blind? Is it because of the sin, because of the sin of his parents? Yahushua says, neither. It is because of a purpose for this blind man being born blind. What is that purpose? So that the people will see the power of God. That the power of God may be manifested in him and seen in him. How so? In the book of John 9, 1, uh, 4 down to 7, which is what Yahushua says, we must uh, quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. And he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sin. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. So here's the man, born blind. Yahushua gives him instructions. He follows those instructions. And then he came back seeing. What do you call that? A miracle. A wonderful miracle. And so it was a demonstration of the power of God through Yahushua 
And the purpose of this miracle was to convince the people that the Messiah has come. This is why if you were a Jew, you were a person who studied the Holy Bible during the days of our King Yahushua, and you're reading the prophecy, right? And then you know in Isaiah, in the very first, one of the very, very first sermons of our King Yahushua, after he was baptized, he went to the synagogue in the book of Luke chapter 4. And he quoted from Isaiah how he was going to release the oppressed from the sickness and blindness. Remember that? So if you were studying the scripture and listening to Yahushua, and then he shows up and performs this awesome miracle, you should conclude he is the Messiah. Okay? You see, the purpose of the miracle was to cause Israel to see that Yahushua was not just a rabbi. He was not just a teacher. He was the Matthias. The light of the world. But the close friends of this blind man, this man who was born blind, was healed by Yahushua. When they encounter this blind man as their friend, do they believe in Yahushua? <laughs> what happened? Let's read verse 8. Uh, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit in bed? Some said he was, and others said, what do you call that? Denial. <laughs> They were, they were in denial. No, he just looks like them. <laughs> you imagine? So they're making excuses to reject the idea that Yahushua is, in fact, the Messiah. But the beggar, the beggar, the blind man who was healed kept saying, yes, I am the same one. Look at my teeth. Well, he didn't actually say that. But he said, look at me. They asked, well, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they call Yahushua made mud spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now? They asked. I don't know. He replied. You see, these people who know this man born blind, and now he was healed, and this healed blind man is telling the people, look, you better listen to Yahushua. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. But instead of believing him, they chose to make up stories for not to believe him. They reject that truth. I mean, even today, people do not want and they choose not to believe in Yahushua. So they make all kinds of excuses, all kinds of different kinds of reasoning for rejecting the Messiah. It was the, the case even back then. You know why they could not accept Yahushua as the Messiah? Because somebody has to tell them. <laughs> yeah. You know who they wanted to, you know who they wanted confirmation from so that they will believe, okay, he's the Messiah. Well, let's read. We read up to verse 12. Let's read verse 13. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Yahushua had made mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Yahushua, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. And so the people who knew this blind man, who was healed by our King Yahushua, they did not believe in Yahushua, because they wanted the Pharisees to tell them what to believe. Right? Instead of believing Yahushua, they wanted someone to tell them what to believe. Who are they? The Pharisees, why? Religious 
authorities. And so they question this blind man. And they say he cannot be of God because he healed on a Sabbath. You see, the Pharisees, they have a different Sabbath from what the Bible teaches. What is this different Sabbath that the, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders have? It was a Sabbath that was filled with man-made traditions. What we call leaven. Yahusha corrected their misunderstanding about Sabbath. And he said, it is lawful to do good on Sabbath. It is lawful to heal on Sabbath. Yahusha did not break the Sabbath. He corrected the misunderstanding of the, Phar the Pharisees about Sabbath. And so these Pharisees, religious figures, they were telling the people, they were telling the blind man, Yahushua is not the one. He's not the son of God. He's not, he's not even from God because even if he can perform miraculous signs, it must be of the devil. And so what happened next? That's 21. So the Pharisees asked the man once more, you say he cured you of your blindness. Well, what do you say about him? He is a prophet, the man answered. The Jewish authorities, however, were not willing to believe that he had been blind and could now see until they called his parents. So again, another instance of denial, right? They're denying the truth because it's so much easier to deny the truth than to believe the truth and have to change your life, right? So it's easier, easier and more convenient not to believe in the truth, not to listen to the truth, or to deny the truth altogether. And so they asked for the parents and asked them, is this your son? You say that he was born blind. How is it then that he can now see? His parents answered, we know that he is our son. We know that he was born blind. We don't know. We don't know how it is that he is now able to see. Or do we know who cured him of his blindness? Ask him. He's old enough and he can answer for himself. And so they interrogate the parents because they don't believe the man who was, blind, who was uh, born blind was actually blind that this was all part of a big hoax. And so they don't believe the blind man. They don't believe the parents. And so when they interrogated the parents, the parents said, why don't you ask him? And so in 9, uh, 22 to 23, his parents said, said this because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities who had already agreed with anyone uh, who said he believed that Yahushua was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue that's why his parents said he is old enough as him. And so the parents, so that they would be free from the responsibility of speaking up for their son, what they chose to do was the easy way out. He said, why don't you go ask him yourself? Because they were afraid. What were they afraid of? They were afraid if they were to believe that Yahusha is the Messiah, they would be expelled from the synagogue, they were afraid of Jewish authorities. You see, this was the plight of so many people back then. And it's also the, the problem with so many people today. What was true then is also true today. What is that? People often place a trust in religious authority. Am I right? That is what they prefer to do. Why? Why do they prefer to place a trust in the, in the religious authority that they can see and interact with? That's because people do not like to search and investigate the scripture. It takes too much time, right? I mean, you're going to read the Bible. You're going to study the different terms, different words. You're going to look at context. You're going to look at culture. You're going to study it. 
They're going to listen to Bible study programs or what we have presented by the Assembly of It takes too much time. I know the Bible studies are so long, an hour and a half, right? I don't have time for that. Just tell me what to believe. Isn't that what people want? They don't want to investigate scripture. They don't want to go to extra Bible study time. They just want to be told what to believe without actually studying the Bible. That's what people prefer. They want to have the religious authorities tell them what to believe and what to do. This is the problem today. It was a problem during the days of our king, Yahushua. The problem with that is when you place your trust in religious authorities, which who are human beings, they might take advantage of you. And you might end up believing what they have to say out of fear. Because the Bible says they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. They would be afraid because they would be expelled from the synagogue. And so if you place your trust in religious authorities, especially if they belong to an institution, or a religious group, which they believe is exclusive to salvation. In other words, you have to be a member of that group to be saved. And all of a sudden, they have power. Because now they will say, if you don't believe, if you don't follow what we tell you, we're going to expel you. And you're no longer going to be saved. Right? And so here you are, who never took the time to actually study what the Bible teaches. And you place your trust in religious authority, and they tell you, if you don't do this, you're going to be expelled. And so you find yourself in a bit of a quandary, don't you? And so what do you do? Amen. Obey, never complain. Amen. Amen. This is why what we often find when it comes to religious organizations who claim exclusivity. If you leave our organization, you will be expelled. What we often find again and again and again throughout history Religious authorities typically resort to oppressive means to instill fear in their followers. You know, there's a difference between a religious teacher and religious authority. There are many religious teachers today, some good, some bad. But what makes religious authorities different is when they claim authority over you. A religious authority is one who will claim exclusivity. That's what authority is all about. Outside this group, there's no authority. We're the only authority. That's very dangerous. And Yahushua is speaking about these kinds of religious authorities. That's why he says, be mindful of them and do not follow them. Instead, heed, heed and hear my voice. Know my voice. Do not know the voice of strangers. And when he was speaking about strangers, and robbers and thieves, he was speaking of those religious authorities because they expelled this man who was born blind but was healed by Yahushua. And so that was the setup to the example of the shepherd and the sheep relationship in John chapter 10 to emphasize the fact what is most important is our relationship with who? Yahushua, that we must place our trust in him, not these so-called religious authorities. Take note today, there are religious teachers. They're good, but none of us are perfect. And so we will never, ever claim we are inerrant. I, myself, am teaching you the Bible. 
as best as I can. And I'm not telling you that I'm an authority, right? Don't believe what I'm teaching you. I mean, what I want you to do is study the Bible on your own. I can be a guide, yes, but I'm not here to replace Yahushua as a shepherd. We place our trust in him and everyone else. We have to be careful about. That's why Yahushua says, you need to listen to my voice. The sheep have, has the responsibility to heed the voice of Yahushua. And so in John chapter 10, he's outlining for us the relationship between the good shepherd and the sheep to emphasize we must place our trust and hope in Yahushua instead of religious leaders and authorities. Religious authorities, like the Pharisees, were likened by Yahushua to strangers, thieves, and robbers who will steal, kill, and destroy. Just like what they did to that poor blind man who was healed by our King Yahushua. Right? They would steal. They will steal your joy. They will kill, kill your freedom. They will destroy it. Destroy your soul because you end up believing and placing your trust in a different shepherd. You end up lost. We have to be careful who we listen to, beloved brethren. You see, we are sheep of Yahushua. And because we are sheep of Yahushua, it is our responsibility, right, as sheep, to discern the voice of Yahushua from the voice of strangers. Well, how do we do that? Well, the more we know the voice of Yahushua, the more we can discern the voice from others. For those of you who are married to someone that you love, you know the voice of your spouse, right? Especially if you've been living with them for a long, long time. You can tell, you know, the pitch, the tone, the different nuances. You know how they sound, right? You know when they're upset. You know when they're happy. You know their voice. Why? Because you spend a lot of time with them. And the more you know their voice, the more you know those who are not them, those who are imposters. The same principle applies. If we want to discern between the voice of our king and good shepherd Yahushua and the voice of strangers, the only thing that can happen is if we will get to know the voice of Yahushua, right? We will master, we will know the detail of the voice of our king, Yahushua. Do we know the details of the voice of our king, Yahushua? Because that's what we need to do. Well, how do you do that, brother? I mean, how can we know the voice of Yahushua? Are we talking about a little voice here? Are we talking about a little voice? No. We're not talking about a literal voice. We're talking about knowing who the good shepherd is and his teachings, so that when a teaching that is contrary to what he taught, you will spot right away, well, that's that's not right. That's not for me. That's not the voice of our shepherd. So how do we know? How do we develop a deeper knowledge and a mastery of discerning the voice of Yahushua from all the different imposters? Revelation 3, verse 20 says, listen, Yahushua says, I stand at the door and knock. If any hear my voice and open the door, I will come into their house and eat with them and they will eat with me. Our King Yahushua is speaking here in a revelation he gave to John. John wrote the book of Revelation. We are reading it now. Yahushua says, and this is his message to those who belong to the ecclesia, who have a relationship with him. He says, I stand at the door and knock. 
when during supper time you know back in the day during the days of the apostles and the ecclesia and yahusha on earth the most important part of the day was the supper time this is why the reason why is because during the day they would work hard right they would work for whatever their livelihood was and at night that was a time for family that was the time you spend. When it says supper, it's not simply eating. It was fellowshipping. And so Yahushua says, what he wants from us at the end of the day, or at the best parts of our day, is to spend time with him. The fellowship with him. You see, how can we know and discern the voice of our king Yahushua if we don't spend time with him at all? I want you to be honest, beloved brethren. You have to be honest. How much time do we spend thinking about Yahushua, meditating upon him and his teaching? How much time do we spend praying to him? How much time do we spend allowing him to fellowship with us? Because how can we know his voice if we don't spend time with him? If we truly want to know our good shepherd, if we truly want to know his voice, we have to spend time with him. Well, how can we hear the voice of Yahushua as we spend time with him? Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You know, what we read in Revelation 2, or actually Revelation 2 and 3, is about the message, the voice of our King Yahushua to the seven churches, the seven ecclesias, which is representative of those who belong to Yahushua, the sheep that belong to Yahushua. So in Revelation 2 and 3, Yahushua has a message. And for us to discern this message, we have to hear with the Spirit. Yahushua from heaven can teach us what we need to learn through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so even if we cannot listen to the actual physical voice of our King Yahushua, through the Spirit, we can hear Him and what He has to say. But for us to be able to learn from our King Yahushua, we need to spend time with Him. Why should we spend time with Him? How can we learn from him? Let's read Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, if we choose Yahushua to become our good shepherd, we choose his yoke during the times of the Bible. Whenever there was a field of land that needed to be grazed, they would have oxen, right? And the two ox, two oxen are yoked together so that they work together. And when two oxen are yoked together, there's the head oxen and there's the partner oxen. The head oxen is a stronger one. He's the lead. And so if you are yoked together with that stronger oxen, the best thing to do is to yield. Yahushua says, come to me and learn from me. How can we learn from Yahushua? By being close to him. That's what it means to be yoked to him. How can we learn from Yahushua if we don't spend time 
with our King Yahushua. Well, how do we spend time with our King Yahushua? Learn from him. Well, how can we learn from our King Yahushua? How can we spend time with Yahushua and learn from him? Matthew 7, 28, 29. And so it was when Yahushua had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And so according to our King Yahushua, or according to the Holy Bible, Yahushua is our Savior. He's our Good Shepherd, right? He's our Savior, our Messiah. But he also is a teacher. And he taught many, many things. Parables, the kingdom, the message to the seven churches, the, the sermons on the mount, and the Olivet Discourse. There's so much our King Yahushua taught. We have to study them. The more we know the teachings of Yahushua, who is the authority, the more we're going to learn his voice. And so when there's a teaching that is contrary to the voice of our King Yahushua, we know right away, I will not listen to that. Right? So we need to know the teaching of our King Yahushua. Why him? Because he is the one who has authority. Who is the one who has authority to teach us? Matthew 23, 10. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. Yes, there are instruments today who are Bible teachers, right? I mean, I teach you the Bible as best as I can. However, in reality, all that we're doing is proclaiming what the teacher has taught. Where do we find what the teacher has taught? In the Bible. This is why we study the teachings of Yahushua. We study the teachings about Yahushua. And Yahushua says, all of scripture is about me. And so if we want to learn everything we can about Yahushua, we study the Bible, we study the Gospels, we study the teachings of Yahushua. And when we study the Holy Bible, we rely upon the Messiah to teach us through the power of his spirit. Why must we rely upon the spirit? But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And so we study the Bible, praying to Yahuwah and Yahushua that the Spirit be given to us so that we will know the message and the intent of our King Yahushua. So that's our responsibility as sheep. Heed the voice of Yahushua and follow his voice. Because the danger is you might hear an imposter's voice. Or you might hear someone who claims to be a shepherd's voice instead of the voice of the good shepherd, right? Because if you end up following the voice of another quote-unquote shepherd, instead of belonging to the flock of Yahushua, you belong to somebody else's flock. Do you want to know whose flock you belong to? Ask yourself, who do you believe is your shepherd, right? And so we believe Yahushua is our shepherd. We hear his voice. We know what he teaches. We know how it sounds like. So we can reject those that oppose his teaching. So our responsibility as sheep of Yahushua is to heed his voice by learning everything we can about him. And then we meditate on him and spend time with him. And this requires time and effort. And so the good shepherd uh, sheep relationship informs us that as sheep, we have this responsibility 
We have to actually spend time to study the Bible and learn all about our King Yahushua. That's the responsibility of the sheep. Now, at the other end of the covenant, what is the responsibility of the shepherd now, right? In the good shepherd sheep relationship. In the book of John, chapter 10, 27, 29, we spoke, we read this verse earlier. The responsibility of the sheep is to hear the voice, to know, and to follow our King Yahushua, right? What is the responsibility of the good shepherd? Well, it is to give us eternal life that we will not perish and no one will snatch us out of his hand. In other words, he will provide, he will protect, and he will give us life everlasting. Is Yahushua able to provide this? We need to believe. You see, that's the responsibility of the good shepherd. He will give us everlasting life, eternal life. What is our responsibility? Follow his voice. Stick to his voice. Be loyal to his voice and follow him. If we will fulfill our part of the covenant, he will fulfill his. And his is give us eternal life. And his covenant is not only to give us everlasting life, he also has a promise in this life. In this life. What is that? John chapter 10, we read it earlier. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. We will find salvation and eternal life and make him a good shepherd. But even in this life, we will find pasture. We'll go in and out, find pasture. In other, word, in other words, we'll find provision and we will find protection in this life. And why? What else is Yahushua going to give us in this life? What does the pasture represent? When Yahushua says, I will, we will go in and out and find pasture, what does that mean? Yahushua says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's what it means in John chapter 10, verse 9. When he says, enter in by me and you will be saved. Does it mean enter a specific religious group? No. It means enter into a relationship with Yahushua. Make him your good shepherd. Because if he is our good shepherd, we're not going to be afraid. And with our freedom, we can go in and out and we can find pasture. What does that mean? We will have life. What kind of life? Abundant life. Even in this life here on earth now. Because Yahushua is our good shepherd. Why can we trust him, Yahushua? Because he's the good shepherd. In this relationship, he is not the hireling. He is not the thief. He is not the stranger. He is not the robber or the thief. Right? Because when you think of a robber, a thief, a hireling, they only take advantage of the sheep. Yahushua is different. When you think of, you know, some religious authorities, they would like to use the sheep for their own agenda. But Yahushua is different. Yahushua says, I'm not the hireling. I'm not the thief. I'm not the robber. I'm not the stranger. I'm the good Why is he the good shepherd? Because he gives his life for the sheep. Beloved brethren, did Yahushua do this? He did. He endured the cross for us so that we, by his shed blood, can become heirs to eternal life, to be a member of the household of Abba, 
to be with him forevermore. And so while we wait for that glorious return of our King Yahushua, let us continue to heed his voice. Study the details of his voice. Let the details of his voice comfort you. Be loyal to that voice. Follow that voice. And be loyal to him who is our good shepherd. That is our lesson. Let us stand. We should pray together. Almighty and everlasting Father, most thank you so much for your blessing. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to receive salvation. We know it is your will because you sent your begotten son. You sacrificed so much. So we know how much it means to you for us to be saved. Father, that is our great blessing because we too want to be saved. We promise you, we will follow your teachings. We will follow the teachings of your one and only beloved son. Yahushua, we proclaim today, you are our good shepherd. How we long to heed your voice. Teach us that we will know the details of your voice. Help us so that we will make time and give the proper effort so that we can know all about you and your teachings that we can meditate upon you yes. and experience your presence and your fellowship in our life. Help us to know you more and more each day, to love you more and more each day, so that when there are imposter voices, we will discern the truth. We will discern your voice and follow you, our good shepherd. You gave up your life for us. Thank you so much. We too are willing to do the same. And so we proudly participate in, you, in sharing sufferings with you, because we know when you return, we will find complete fellowship with you and you will bring us into the household of Abba. Yeah. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. Yes. You have blessed your sheep. You have blessed your people and will give us abundant life. Yeah. We ask everything, Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.